Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Awesome to have you guys here today. Uh, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. We're celebrating this holy week that Jesus not only goes to the cross, and we're going to talk about this more next week. He's not only going to the cross, but more importantly, and I'm going to explain this next week, more importantly, he rose from the dead. Yeah. Amen. It's not just the fact that he went to the cross, but he rose from the dead. Like, there were people who died on the cross, amen? But he rose from the dead. I don't know about you, but I got trouble getting out of the bed in the morning, you know? I mean, it's six o'clock comes, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I, my, my music goes off, and, and uh, uh, I, we got some song on our, or some happy song on our, on our alarm, and I just want to throw my phone across the room because I don't want happiness in the morning. That happiness comes later when I have coffee, right? But Jesus rose from the dead, amen? And so we're going to talk about that more this week. But this week, we're going to talk about what happened on that Palm Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday because of the events that that happened. But I want to talk to you about a verse first. We've been talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. So bring up this verse for me, please. Again, thank you guys for everything that you do. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, because he was talking to Thomas. You guys remember Thomas? Some people call him Doubting Thomas. You ever had, you ever had anybody in your life that doesn't believe anything? Yeah, he was called Doubting Thomas. And there's a reason for that. I'm not going to get into that now. But he said, Jesus said to him, I am the what? I'm the what? The way. Right? When I was, uh, I lived in Virginia for a while, and somebody was trying to give me directions. He goes, they said, this is the way. Go down by the old Miller place. <laughs> Turn left where I used to play football. Some of you guys in Juneau did that to me, and I think you purposely tried to get me lost. <laughs> Go down where so-and-so lived. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And the life. Three powerful things there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Pretty bold statement, right? We talked about last week is a lot of people try to imitate God. They try to proclaim themselves as God. They try to say that you can come to God by other means. Oprah Winfrey was probably the most powerful person to say this. She said, there are many ways to God. There are not many ways to God. There is one way to God, and his name is Jesus. People don't like to talk about Jesus. When you talk about Jesus, you deal with things like your sin. You deal with things that you don't want to control. People like to control their outcomes. They like to control who they are. They like to do whatever they want to do, and then call on God when they need something. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is the way, and the king is coming again, but it's going to be on his terms. Amen? And he went there into Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem on his 
terms. Amen? Sometimes we try to make Jesus into something that he's not. We try to make Jesus into something that we're comfortable with. Being with Jesus should make you uncomfortable. Too many churches try to bring people in and try to make them comfortable. Oh, we want you to be here. We want you to feel good. I don't want you to feel good this morning. I want you to confront Jesus this morning. Amen? I want Jesus to change your life. And in doing so, that means sometimes you've got to look down on your heart and realize some things that maybe we need to work on. Amen? We need to work on some stuff, don't we? Anybody in this room perfect except for me? No, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect either, right? None of us are perfect. We have things that we need to fix in our lives, right? And that's what meeting with Jesus does. But we need to become uncomfortable, amen? We need to find our peace in him, but we need to deal with that carnal nature, that manly nature, that, that nature in us that wants to do the wrong thing, the nature in us that wants to tell Jesus what to do. We do that, don't we? Oh, Jesus, if you would just do this in my life, I'll serve you. We try to bargain with God. Can I tell you, you cannot bargain with God? God, if you'll just do this, I'll come to church every Sunday. God, if you'll just do this, I'll pay my tithe. God, if you just do this, I'll I'll do what you want me to do, and it doesn't work that way, because the king comes on his terms. Amen? We must submit to the king. In John chapter 12, it tells the story. Verses 12 through 13, next day, a great multitude. Now, when the Bible says a great multitude, that means a lot of people because they really didn't have a numbering system back at that time. So they said, they said a great multitude. That probably meant, you know, remember he, they'd actually numbered 5,000 people. So they, anything beyond that, they really didn't have a number for it. And so they say a great multitude. That means thousands upon thousands of people showed up. He says, the great multitude that had come to the feast, which is the, the Passover, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, praise God. They heard Jesus was coming. See, Jesus had already, his reputation preceded him. Took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. See, Jesus had come to Jerusalem many times before. This is probably the third or fourth time that Jesus had come to Jerusalem because they came to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. The Passover that was done in Exodus, they came and they were coming to celebrate. But when they heard Jesus was coming, because they had heard about his stories, they had heard about his miracles, they had heard about his preaching, they had heard about the great and mighty things that he had done. And so they went out of the street with their palm trees and they started waving them. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But see, Jesus did not come as a conquering king. He came as a humble servant. John chapter 12, verse 14 and 15 says this, Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, verse 15, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, what's the big deal about a donkey? Let me tell you. Because in those days, When a king, a conquering king, or a king who was coming to take over, rode in a donkey, that was meaning he was coming in peace. That was meaning he was coming to bring peace. Praise God. 
In other words, he was not coming to take over. He was coming in peace because the time to take over was not at that moment. So the fact that he was coming on a donkey should not have been lost on the people who were there. They recognized the fact that he was on a donkey. Now, if he was coming on a horse, that would have meant war. That would have meant he was signifying, I'm here to take over. I'm here to do this, and I'm here to do that. But he came in on a donkey. Now, there's one day in Revelation, the Bible talks about it, that he's coming on a white horse. And that's war, right? He's coming to fight for us. Amen? But this moment, this moment, he's coming on a donkey. He's coming on a donkey. In other words, he was not there to overthrow the Roman government at that time. Now, the Romans were an oppressive government. They would kill you just for looking at them. They would put you on the cross, and you would die a miserable death. They did whatever they could to make your life miserable. They ruled with brutality, and the Jews hated it. But, and, and they wanted to get rid of the Roman government because they had just been subject to the Babylonians. And then, before, and then after that, the Greeks, the Greeks would come in, and they were tired of it, and they saw Jesus as the king that he was. And they said, oh, he must be here to deliver us. But he was coming on a donkey. And see, this is where the story goes a little sideways. I'm going to give you a new perception that maybe we haven't thought about before. You see, they knew, they knew that he was coming in peace, but they also knew what they wanted. They were tired of being oppressed. They were tired of being their money taken from them and stolen from them. See, the Romans set up taxpayers or tax collectors. Anybody love tax collectors? You guys know the IRS is due on the 18th of April, right? Did I just ruin your day? Man, I give them more money. I should fund the whole government myself. That's what it feels like. I hate giving them money. They say it's to build roads, but I don't know. <laughs> they hired tax collectors, and the tax collectors would take more from money from the people than the Romans wanted. And so they, they set up this system of corruption, and they would, they would kill people, and they were brutal, and they, they were an oppressive oppressive government. And so the people wanted relief. They wanted freedom from that. And so even though Jesus came in on a donkey, they said, no, 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 no. We, we want him as king. And so they took out this palm branches because they were trying to make something happen that wasn't God's will. Let me explain. You see, earlier, about two or three hundred years earlier, there was a guy by, uh, by the name of Maccabee. I think I'm saying that right. Or Judas Maccabeus was his name, actually. And he fought against the Greeks. And this is not in Scripture. This is in between the time of, of uh, Malachi and Matthew. This is the in-between time. And the Greeks had come, on over and they, or had come over and they had taken control of Jerusalem. And the, they, this, these people, they fought against the Greeks and they won. And as a sign of victory, when they marched through the city, as a sign of victory, the people took out these palm branches and they started waving the palm branches to the victors. So that's where that tradition started from, because they had won this great victory over the Greeks. And they thought, oh, Jesus is here to deliver us from the Romans. We're going to win a victory again. So what they were doing, even though the battle had not yet been won, they were trying to say, we're going to be rid of the Romans. We're going to be rid of the Romans. And everybody got their, their branches out, and they were worshiping God. Stuff that we say today, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
But the problem is their heart wasn't aligned with Jesus. And I, stick with me here. I know this is kind of hard to follow because we've always been trained. This is a great thing that they came in and they were waving the palm branches. But the reality is Jesus was not there to get rid of the Roman government because his kingdom was not of this world. They were trying to force something to happen that wasn't of God. They wanted to deliver us, but they didn't want to deliver us that God gave them. They wanted to deliver us so they could do whatever they wanted to do. They wanted to deliver us so they didn't really worship God the way that God wanted. And God says, that's not the deliverance I'm giving you. I'm delivering you from your sin. I'm delivering you from your pain. I'm delivering you from all those things that you can be reconciled from me. But the Jews didn't want that. They want to deliver us from an oppressive government. And what they didn't realize, if they would have just given themselves to God, if they would have just humbled themselves before God, God would have given them everything that they wanted. But like the Jews, we do that, don't we? Like the Jews at that time, we come to God with conditions, don't we? We come to God with, to God, I'll do this for you, but you're going to do it the way that I want you to. I'm going to force you to do it the way that I want. Brothers and sisters, our mind is not God's mind. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We've got to learn to align ourselves with God. Amen? That means, that means that sometimes trouble is going to come. Amen? That means that sometimes sorrow is going to come our way. But I will tell you, when you give yourself to God and not stop trying to force things to happen, joy comes in the morning. I'm telling you today, you may weep for the night. You may be sorrowful, but joy, joy comes in the morning. As a church, as a people, we got to stop trying to force things happen. we got to stop trying to tell God what to do. I'm going to tell you something. I can't tell God what to do. I can petition him. I can request him. And I know God will move on my behalf. But I am not his boss. I am not the one who tells him. He tells me. Amen. And when I align myself with him, when I align myself with him, when I align myself with him, Great things happen in my life. But see, these same people, because God didn't do it the way they wanted. These same people stood up in the temple square six days later and yelled out, crucify him. And I always wonder why they did that. I always wonder how one minute they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the next minute say, crucify him. You know why? Because people don't like doing things God's way. They want it their own way. And when we don't get it the way that we want, we tell the Lord, I'm done with you, don't we? So many people have left the church and they've left God because God didn't work things out their way. I'm telling you this morning with all my heart, we have got to learn to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to God and realize that when we do things His way, it's so much better. Amen? We may not yell out, crucify him, but when we turn our backs upon him, we're giving up on him when he's about to do great things in our life. And if you only knew what God is about to do in your life, you would serve him forever and ever with gladness. It is time to lay down our ambitions. It is time to lay down our wants. It is time to turn our hearts and our minds and our souls to Jesus this morning. It is time to give up and let go and let God. Amen? It is time, brothers and sisters. Do we stop telling God how to do his business? I remember one time I told my parents how to do something. They did something, and my response to them is, I don't agree with that. 
When I got up off the floor, I tried to call OCS. <laughs> they said, here's the phone, call them. <laughs> I learned, I learned very quickly that I don't know more than them. I don't know more than them. They've lived a lot longer, longer, longer life than I have. <laughs> longer life than I have. They told me the other day that I'm catching up with them, and I said, not by a mile. Then they bowed up at me, and I said, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> hey, man, I thought I knew more than my wife. I tried to correct her. When I got up off the floor, <laughs> I called OCS. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she handed me the phone and said, call. <laughs> I'm just joking. That's only a joke. I didn't go down, actually. I just kind of went halfway. Listen, we gotta, we got to stop trying to tell God what to do. If your situation is not working out the way you want it to, then you need to get down on your knees more. If your situation is not at the level that you want, you don't need to try to manipulate God and say, God, I've got it all worked out because you don't. Because if God had taken over the Roman kingdom in that day, then you and I would have never been saved. Amen. Do you understand that? Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He knew that was his destiny. That was the plan from the beginning. And God has a plan for your life. Amen. He is not absent. He is not absent. He's not one of those guys that checks on you every now and then, amen? Like, hey, let me, check on, let me check on Richard and see how he's doing. Whoa, that's a shock. He's in trouble. No, God knows. You know, Richard's in the hospital last night. God knew you were in the hospital before you even texted me, amen? He's okay now, I think, right? You're okay? Hey, praise God, all right? I just want to make sure, amen? He, he knew that Richard was going to be in the hospital. He knew that the situations you're going through, that God is not surprised by anything. There's no plot twist with God. He knows it all. And I'm telling you with all my heart, brothers if you and sisters, if you would just submit yourself to God and say, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Not my ways, but your way be done. We got to stop trying to make God do something that is not in his will. See, my first name is James. And in the Hebrew, that name is actually Jacob. And I identify with Jacob because, man, I fight God all the time. I wrestle with God. Anybody else wrestle with God? Me and God are WWE champions together, amen? I don't like going in the ring with him. I say, let's go. <laughs> because I have what I want, right? And I'm like, God, this is what I want. I get mad at him. We wrestle. And then once I get off the floor, <laughs> man, you, we wrestle with God, and we try to tell him what to do. And God says, why won't you just do what I want you to do? Because there's something bigger than what you see. There's something bigger. See, the Jews were so focused on their own personal agenda, they forgot to realize that Jesus was about to die for their sin. There was no more going into the temple and having someone else offer a sacrifice. They could 
literally walk into the Holy of Holies themselves. Praise God. The veil between them and God was about to come down. God was about to reveal himself to them. God was about to now come into their hearts and he was going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. But no, no, no. They were more concerned about overthrowing the Romans. Listen, I know government can be frustrating. I mean, even though Romans 13 talks about submitting to government, it can be frustrating. But really, that's not our concern, is it? Our concern is in aligning our hearts and minds and will with God and letting God work in our life and releasing those things, amen? Releasing the will of God in our life and releasing His grace and His Spirit, because when we do that, I'm going to give you a little secret. Are you ready? People get saved. People get saved, amen? People, see, people are watching you. The other day, my wife and I were walking, and uh, we were having a high-level discussion. And uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, is we were fussing. Okay, I clearly was right. Okay, clearly, I I was right, and I let her know that too. And she was expressing me to her opinion as to why she was right. And we were we were having that discussion, and that discussion was a little heated, right? And finally, I submitted. But anyway, we're not going to get to that point. And as we're walking and having this high level of discussion, I had that face on me. You know, man, that face you get when your wife's mad at you and you're kind of pouting a little bit. Right? Am I the only one? (laughs) Okay. Your wife's fussing at you a little bit and you're like, I'm right. I can do what I want to do. I hope she didn't hear that. So I was pouting, I was mad, and I I was walking at a pace like this so she couldn't keep up with me. (laughs) And that just made it worse. And so I'm walking along, and then somebody leans out their van and says, Hey, Pastor! So all of a sudden I had to do this. Hi! Praise God! How are you? Good, how are you, Pastor? I'm great. Praise God. He laughed, and I'm like, I'm right. I'll be honest with you, I was being fake. Because I feel that pressure sometimes. Don't we all? See, I'm I'm being transparent with you because I'm trying to show you something. If we would just allow God's will in our life, then we realize that the trouble that we go through, no matter how small or how trivial, is that someone else can be edified when they see us. My trouble that I go through is not for me. It's for God to pour into me, like I explained to the men yesterday. For God to pour into me, and then for that pouring and that spirit that comes into me to be released to you. But here's the thing, when I pour into you, God doesn't want that water to stay there. You know what you give? What do you give a thirsty person? What? A drink? Do you give them a cup of sand? No? Do you give them a bunch of rocks? Say, here, get water from this. Right? No, what do you give them? You give them water, right? Do you look at them and say, oh, man, that's too bad you're thirsty. I got to hold some water right here. I'm good. There's a story of the guy who... Uh, he was walking in the store, and he met this little girl who was crying. And uh, she said she, she had lost 
some money. And he, he felt so bad for her, so he gave her $20 out of the $200 he just found. Isn't that kind of like how we are? Some of you will get that in a minute. Isn't that kind of like how we are? Is we're not willing to, we're not willing to take what we've been giving and give it to someone else. Can I share this with you? Can I, and hear me. When you pour yourself out as quick as you get it, you get poured into that much faster. That same feeling you got when you were poured into, it's going to keep coming because God's going to trust you with more. Brothers and sisters, when we give ourselves to God, when we give ourselves to God, He pours Himself because what you have was never meant to be yours. It's not yours. It's God's. Amen? And God wants you to use it. God wants you to bless other people. He wants you to touch other people. Amen? He wants you to take it. He wants you to give it away. Amen? See, our hope is misplaced when we do this. We can say all the right things, like blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We can act the right way through worship and demonstrations of obedience. But the reality is, it's more of a heart issue. It's a heart issue. When you don't give yourself away, when you don't invest yourself fully into the Lord, then we're really robbing ourselves from what God has for us. We're robbing ourselves. Jesus was our example. Listen to this. Knowing what is about to endure, Jesus spoke these simple yet powerful words of surrender. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. He said this, saying, Father, don't you love that term of endearment? It's like he's saying, Dad. See, when, when my kids come to me and they, they say, Dad, I'm like, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Little Peyton will come in and I mean, she's not my child or grandchild, but she'll come in and she'll call me Parakeet. That's short for Pastor Keith, I think. When she gets married, I will bring that up. Amen? We've talked about that. That will come up. But Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, take this comfort me. See, at that moment, Jesus knew what he was about to go through. And Jesus, in that human moment, said, listen, if I don't have to do this, if I don't have to do it, because he knew he was about to be beaten, where the, the whips, where there were pieces of bone and all those things would just rip out his flesh. And you could, they actually exposed his internal organs and the blood loss. And he would hang on the cross for over six hours, for six hours. He knew what he was about to go through, the pain he was about to endure. And he says, God, or Dad, if, if, if it's your will, I, I don't want to do this. Then he says, and I love this. He says, nevertheless, See, somebody needs to hear this today. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
See, the example is Jesus. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever sorrow, our prayer should not be, God, take this from me, but our prayer should be, God, take me through it. There's more satisfaction and joy when you've gone through something than to be removed from something. Amen? There's more of a relationship between you and God when you've been taken through something and when He holds your hand and He walks with you. Amen? I want you to know that that's what God desires. He desires the relationship. He desires to be with you. Amen? See, Right after he said this, and this is, man, I love this when I saw this. Verse 43, he said this. Scripture says, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, let me help you here. When you surrender your problem to God, He sends his angels or his Holy Spirit to serve you and strengthen you and help you. Now, you may not see it, but it doesn't matter. I know there's been time that I went before the Lord and I bowed on my knees and I said, God, I need your help. But if I have to go through this, I want to go through it with you. And it was at that very moment that the Lord spoke to me and I can feel almost, I can almost feel like I was being lifted up and I was lighter and the Lord, the Holy Spirit came into my room and he reminded me, I am with you. I have not forsaken you. I have not abandoned you. Praise God. And listen, if I can go through that, you can go through that. He has not abandoned you today, but we have to be willing to go through it with him. Amen? Because sometimes he just wants to make us more. Sometimes he just wants more from us. Amen? Sometimes he just wants a more relationship with us. My wife and I have been through so much in our marriage. In our marriage, we're coming up on 23 years in July, and our marriage is better because of it. We look back, we talk about the bad times. We talk about the good times. Amen? And that's just our marriage. Imagine how I feel about God. God was there with me at my lowest. God was there with me when I didn't know if I was going to make it. God was there with me in my darkest hour, but God was also also there with me in my, in my great moment, in my joy. God was with me in the dark places. He was with me on the mountaintop. David said, though I make my bed in hell, you are with me. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God is with you. Amen. God will take you by the hand. He will walk you through it. Amen. When Julie was younger, I would hold her by the hand and I would walk with her. She's about four or five years old. And she's not up here, so I can tell the story. And I know you guys won't tell her. But she was a wee bit stubborn. Obviously not my side of the family. And so I would hold her by the hand, and I'd walk her. And I'd say, come on, Julie, we've got to go this way. And she would pull her hand back, and she said, no. And I thought, my word, where did you? that is not my side of the family. What is going on? And she says, I don't want to do it. I want to go that way. And I looked at her in the patient dad that I am, because this is my daughter. I say, sweetheart, I, I bent down a little bit. I said, sweetheart, we can't do that. I tried re- you ever tried reasoning with a toddler? <laughs> right? Sweetheart, <laughs> I love you. Daddy cares about you. Obviously, I care about you way more than mom. 
not true. We got to go this way. Okay, come on, let's go. No. And then she pulled this out. I'm telling mom. <laughs> I found myself arguing with you. Well, I'll tell mom too. <laughs> and then we both ran after, honey, mom. <laughs> and then once Jenny told me to do what she said, no, I was kidding. <laughs> but we're like toddlers sometimes. We, God wants to take us down this path. And we look at the path and we're like, I'm not doing that. There's some beautiful trails here in Juneau. And the start of the, I've noticed this with the trails here. They all start off beautiful. They're flat and they're wonderful. And, and it's easy, by the way. There's a hike that Will is going to do this coming Saturday. At what time? Nine o'clock. So be here if you want to go on the hike. I will tell you he may try to kill you during that hike. I'm just going to warn you. So you walk on that hike, and, and you're thinking, oh, this is beautiful. This is flat. And there's birds singing, and everybody's like, oh, this is wonderful. And all of a sudden, you're, it, it's like an immediate stop. The, the, the trail goes like this. Right? And I was, I was with Will when this happened. That's why I say that. And I looked at Will, and I said, I'm not doing that. He says, come on, pastor. It's easy. He lied. We had to climb this rope. And I'm not a small man by any means. And I'm like, how am I going to, if I fall, who's going to catch me? And, and Will was so loving. And, and he said at that moment, not me, pastor. <laughs> if you die, you die. But I got a gun. If you get hurt, we'll take care of it. <laughs> Put you out of your misery or out of my misery. I'm not sure which. But sometimes we go on these paths with God. And the Bible talks about the path being narrow. Right? Some of the trails right here, you're going around a mountain. You've probably seen videos of this in other countries where they're going on a trail over a mountain and literally people can just fall off, but they're walking on these trails and you wonder how they survive. But that's the way it is with God sometimes. You're walking on this trail and there's barely enough footing right there and you feel like you're about to die and you start crying and say, Lord, where are you? But that's the path with God. It's not easy. It's not easy, but and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it is. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy all the time. But I will tell you that if you follow the way that God has for you, the reward is great. The reward is great. Not everybody can follow this path. And I mentioned about this, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is my last verse. He said, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. Has anybody tried to fit into something you don't really necessarily fit into? Sometimes you kind of have to shed some things off of you to be able to walk into something. So it is with God. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. See, if you take the easy way this morning, the Bible says it leads to destruction. Because narrow is the gate. If we can have some music, please. I know you guys are working on it. Thank you. Because narrow is the gate, and pleasant and fun is the way. Is that what it says? 
What's that word? Hard. Difficult. Difficult. Boy, what an inspiring sermon. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Woo! See, I use my wife as an example a lot because I love her and I love teasing her and it's just fun. But I would have much rather gone through my 23 years with her than anybody else or being alone. We've cried together when we lost a child. We cried together when we almost went bankrupt. We lost a house. We also cried together when our son went off to college. We cried together when our daughter's going to graduate. We cried during the blessings and we cried during the bad times. Actually, our marriage, I guess, is just going one big cry fest. <laughs> But we went through things together. And we, looked, we started talking about things that we've been through, and we started, and we started laughing. We, hey, remember when this happened? It was a horrible moment. Remember this happened? And we started laughing. Yeah, I remember that. That was not funny. When we go through things with God, it's going to be hard. But not only do you build your relationship with God, but when you come through, there's joy. Okay? I want you to tell you there's joy. But some of you like the song, you need to let Jesus take the wheel and quit trying to drive. Some of y'all don't know how to drive. I've seen that here in Juneau. We need to let Jesus be the operator. We need to let Jesus be in control. We need to stop taking over for him and let him be the one. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Some of you are going to say, Pastor, that spoke to me this morning. I've been struggling with some things, and I just feel like I can't get ahead, and I feel like I'm always struggling with this problem, and I just need some prayer this morning. I, I need God to deliver me. I need God to take care of me. I need God to change my life. I need to fit myself within his will. If that's you, I want you to step out of your seat. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.